of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? Let your light so shine before men. So, today's message, I, I'm not you know, really big on the title stuff, but hopefully to help you to build on this or to give you the idea of what the premise is. Are you shiny? Are you shiny? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we're going to go now to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. That's where most of the uh, uh, message will come from today if you want to turn there or if you'd like to put that on your electronic device. As long as you're not texting Aunt Margaret, we're good. Amen? Amen? And we do have people that will be looking at you. So, In a small church, it's hard to get away with that. Okay, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to, to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do, not, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Are you shiny? Holding fast the word of life. So we're going to do as is our custom to break this down just a little bit, okay? So beginning again in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, A.W. Tozer said, to escape the error of salvation by works, we have uh, fallen into the opposite error of salvation without obedience. Obedience. See, we don't work obedience to gain salvation. We're obedient because we are saved. And if we're not obedient, then we have to look, examine ourselves, as the Word would teach us, examine ourselves and are we really saved? See, uh, the works we do don't earn us salvation. Obviously, most, I think everybody in here is born again. You understand that. But obedience proves that we have been saved. A.W. Tozer, in case you don't know, he pastored a church for a long time, a powerful man of God, great writer, uh, awesome, and awesome words. My brothers and sisters, our model is Jesus. We're his disciple. As we're learning on Wednesdays, this is, we can, many people will call themselves Christians, but are we disciples? Because you, they're, they're synonymous. You can't be one without the other. You cannot be a Christian and not be a disciple. And we know because of our studies, and many of you know already, disciple has a very specific connotation. One who walks in a discipline or adheres to the teaching of, a, of, of another, of a, of a teacher, of a rabbi, Jesus. And if you look at it from that culture as we're learning or as we're studying together, if you look at that specific culture, what that meant. To be a disciple of someone meant that you were exactly like them. You emulated them. You, you listened to their teaching and you modeled your life after them. So we're his disciple. We're to model our lives after Him. We follow His teaching and we model our, model our lives after Him. This is very basic, rudimentary, so fundamental. Why would I have to repeat that uh, uh, to somebody who's born again? Because my brother and sister, in this culture, we don't see it. Again, why not us? Why not us? Why don't? Why is it that you know? There's so many 
Christians that, that, are, that, are, that are living beneath their promises. Why, why don't we see the dead being raised in this country? Because they're being raised in other places. Why, why don't we see blind eyes opened? Why don't we see what they saw? Why don't we... Are you with me? Why? Why, why aren't, aren't demons being cast out? Why aren't people being set free instantaneously from addictions and all this other stuff? Why? Why don't we see... Why is that not common? Why not us? Maybe we need to adhere to the teachings of our rabbi more closely. Uh, Philippians 2.8 And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. If Jesus lived a life of obedience, what makes us think that we shouldn't? See, now I, I understand, and, you, and, I, and I know some of you are sick and tired of hearing me say things like this. However, that kind of preaching and teaching does not fill churches. That's okay. That's okay. The church has to fill you. The church has to fill you. The churches are filled with people, but there are some churches that the people aren't filled with the church. See, my brothers and sisters, we need to get to this point where we understand what it is that we're reading and we accept what we're reading and we become what we're reading. My brothers and sisters, I want to draw your attention to this. See that? It's nice and shiny. This is going to have some significance, so I want to make sure that you're paying attention to that as we go along. So now look at also in verse 12, not as in my presence only. This is now, this, again, it's the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul to this church at Philippi. Not as in my presence only. Not when you think that you're being watched. Not when you're around certain people. Not when you're around church people. Not when you're around this one or that one. So many of us, when we were kids, didn't we act a little bit differently when we knew our parents were in earshot? Did we talk a little bit different? You know? She got at least a one amen over there. And I should have got a couple over there right there, right? Come on, d- didn't we? And I know they talk a little different around Grandma Catherine because that shoe's liable to come off and she's going to get a whip. No, but think about it. Think about that for a moment. You know, when we're being watched or when we're around certain people, do we act differently? Okay, this is what he's saying. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle. You know, not just when you think that I'm around or not just when, when, when I'm in your presence all the time. My brothers and sisters, think, think about this for a moment. God is everywhere. And those of us who understand, those, those of us who are born again, we understand this. But do we? Do we? This is why, why not us? This is why, not us. Uh, you know, how is integrity defined? Integrity is defined as, you know, when no one's watching, you still do the right thing. Why not us? What do we do when we think we're not being watched? Because he's watching all the time. Because he knows all the time. You know? And you know what? This is what I love about our God. Our God is not watching, just waiting for us to mess up so he can jerk the rug out from underneath us. That's, not how it's, that's, that's really not how it goes. That, that's not our God. In fact, our God is with us all the time, wanting us to be yoked up with him so that we understand when it, we're being approached or we're approaching that line or we're getting close to that point so that he can warn us. That's why his Holy Spirit lives in us. That's one of the reasons to warn us. To let us know, don't do that. Or, you know, this is a point, let's go go the other way. God does everything He can in relationship with us to prevent those kind of things. Isn't that right? Nevertheless, we still have a free choice, don't we? Because love isn't love unless you have a choice. Still in verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
listen, I, I, I've heard this preached and taught, and I've taught it and preached it. Those words, the fear and trembling, you know, some people say, well, that only means that, um, you know, just a deep respect. It doesn't mean that. Yes, it does. But if you look at those words in the Greek, they really mean, you know, fear. Now, I'm not saying, nor am I trying to infer that you know, we're supposed to operate in fear of God. But what we should do is we should be in such reverential respect for Him. Uh, let, let me see. I, and, and I've heard, I know some of you have uh, heard me say this before. When I was young and, and less mature, I obeyed my father because I was a little afraid of him. Right? I didn't always understand the why but I understood that I better not. I, 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 you, oh, you hear me? Okay, I didn't always understand, you know, why I shouldn't do it, but, but you know, I just knew that I shouldn't do it because, you know, He said so. And sometimes with our God, it needs to be that way. I don't need to... It, let me say it this way. If I could figure Him out, if I could figure out, if I had all the... Then He's too small for me. So, look, if I could figure out God, His thoughts are above my thoughts. His ways are high above my ways. So if I could figure it out, if I could comprehend it, He's too small for me. So sometimes I just got to be in the position where He said so. That's good enough. I don't, God, why? Is it, is it wrong for me to ask God why? No. But while I'm waiting to find out why, just go ahead and do what He said anyway. <laughs> are you with me? See, now with Mom, I wasn't that much afraid of Mom, but always afraid of her curveball because she could throw stuff and she could throw around corners and get me. So I had to be... It was only if she had something in her hand because she couldn't catch me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But look at what it says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Look at Walk circumspectly. Okay, we've studied this together before too. Walk wisely. Walk, think, think about where you are. Walk in, walk in this mindset that there is a God above you, His Almighty, all-powerful. And He's given you this roadmap to your success, to your fulfillment. Walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. You know, heed the voice of God. Act accordingly. That's wise. Not with my wisdom, certainly not mine personally, but not with my wisdom, not with your own wisdom, but God has given you. Amen? Hallelujah. But... <clears throat> Redeeming the time. What does that mean? Redeeming the time. Don't waste a minute. Don't waste a minute. Make sure that you're using it well. Why? Because the days are evil. Back to Philippians now. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to do, or I'm sorry, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure. I'm going to start with for His good pleasure. Listen. I was not made or created for myself. I was not made or created so that I could live a life of enjoyment and happiness and fulfillment You know, just so that I could be a happy being. It, it's not that. We were created for Him, by Him, for Him. That's scriptural. Look it up. Uh, you know, everything that was made was made through Him, by Him, for Him. That's, that's it, man. Everything that was made was made for Him, by Him. My brothers and sisters, I, I, 
I'm, not, I'm called according to his purpose, not my own. And why would I need to say that to a, a group of people who maybe are believers? Because sometimes we don't live that way. We don't act that way. Sometimes we're, we're still grasping for that brass ring, so to speak. Sometimes we're still trying to go ahead and make ours. And in this community, I hear that so much. Still trying to make ours. We're still trying... Well, I lose you? Still trying to make ours. Still trying, trying to get mine. Still trying to prosper. Still try, get that next job, that next house, that next car, that next this, that next that. That's the purpose. That's the goal. That's what we're living for. That's what we're striving for. When in fact, no, no, no. I was made for Him. I'm called according to His purpose. My fulfillment, my true joy is wrapped up in what He's already uh, built for me, what He's proposed for me, what He's purposed for me. Amen? All right. So work out your... So I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, there's something, there's a heaviness right now. I feel it, but I'm... Lord, in Jesus' name, For His good pleasure, not my own. See, that's where the culture has really got our, our young... That's, that's where the heaviness is. Our young people are being bombarded. All of us are, but I, I especially feel bad for the young people. I really, really do. Because I see it in my own people that are close to me and I see how they're being so influenced and so led in different directions and it just absolutely blows me away. It blows me away to see some of the young people that have been in this church that we've baptized that are now living out outside the church. It 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 just blows me away. And they're 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 you know you could I don't do it and I don't want to do it. And this is one of the reasons why I won't do it. I mean, you could find them on the social networks, the things that they're saying, the things that they're doing, how they're living. I mean, my goodness, they they act like their life is is their own reality show. On the, on the, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a terrible thing. Why? Because they're, they're living according to this. They're, they're not living according to the purpose and the plan that God has for them. You know, they're, they're, fulfill, they're, they're trying to fulfill themselves by other means or, or having this, this fulfillment, having this joy, having this happiness in other ways. And it's just, we were made for His pleasure. But what we find out is if we're living according to the things that He's called us to that brings Him pleasure... We're fulfilled. We have joy. We're happy. We have peace. Amen? Now remember from our discipleship studies in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth Lord, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you are saved. Remember that word Lord and all of the implications. That word Lord, that's, when it's translated, it's from the Greek and it's telling us, it, the implication is He's your owner. So when, it, when the Bible's telling us simply to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we are confessing something that we believe in in our heart. And what is that? God bless you. That we, that we believe in our heart that Jesus is my master. Jesus is my owner. Right? Okay, so I was created by Him for Him. Not for myself. So if I continue to live for myself, by myself... That is not a good thing. I, that, that path is going to lead to my destruction. When he, are, are you with me? I, I don't want to beat that horse dead. But my brothers and sisters, if we can't get a hold of that, then nothing, if, you, if you can't get a hold of that, nothing else is going to make sense. 
Nothing else. Will, and I'm telling you, that, that's everything. If you can't believe, and I'm, it's easy for us to say that we believe it. Oh, there is a God Almighty. There is a God who's all-powerful, almighty. He spoke everything that we see and even things that we don't see into existence. It's easy to say that, right? It's easy to say that I'm, I'm walking circumspectly. I have this fear. This country, we've lost the fear of the Lord. I have this fear of the Lord. That's why I use it that way. That word phobos, like I tried to explain a little, a little while ago, maybe not very well. My brothers and sisters, I do have to walk. Why? Because he's almighty. He's all-powerful. If I really believe that, then it, I can understand how the Bible can tell me to then be, ca- be cautious. Be careful how you walk. Walk circumspectly. Don't worry, don't, listen, don't just act like a Christian or a disciple when you think you're being watched. The fact is you're always being watched. My brothers and sisters... If He's almighty and He's all-powerful, and if I was created for His good pleasure, if I can understand that and start putting that to, to, to use, putting that, you know, get it down on the inside of me where I actually walk it. See, again, I can say I believe it, but really what I believe shows with how I walk. Because if I say I believe it, but I walk a different way, then I really don't believe it. Uh, but we have such a shallow understanding of, of belief and all that. Okay, notice still in verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. It is God who works in you both to will and to do. Listen, this is the true meaning of grace. Grace isn't just unmerited favor. Grace isn't the thing, you've heard me say this time and time again, grace isn't that thing that allows me to go ahead and be saved and live any old way. Grace, that's not grace. That's, that's fake grace. The fake grace says that, you know, you know you, it's not by works, so you can go ahead, you get saved, you, you go to the altar, you pray the prayer, you're saved, grace says, I've got you, and now you go ahead and out there, and you know, you mess up, it's okay. No. Obedience to His Word. You do what He's commanded you. And when you mess up, because we're liable to mess up, when you mess up, it says that, listen, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Grace is the power. This is, this is the great definition of grace. Here's what grace says. Grace says that now you have, you understand His will, it's on the inside of you, and you have the power to do. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you. This side, they didn't hear. God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It is God working in you. That's grace. Are are you with me? See, this blows my mind to really look at grace as any other thing except this. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. All I did was put my faith and trust in Jesus. I repented. I went to the foot of the cross and I said, okay, I'm wrong and I need to go another way. Repentance. Then God's grace, He put His Spirit on the inside of me and now all of a sudden I start to understand His will for me. When I read this, it's not so confusing. Do I have to read it? Do I have to really study it and dig into it? Maybe look at, you know, a concordance or whatever to study to really know what it means? Yeah, absolutely. But I can't even begin to understand the spiritual implications of this without Him on the inside of me. How do I know that? How do I know that? 
because I'm smart. No, you don't have to be smart. I'm not smart. That's the whole thing about this. I'm not smart. You don't have to be. We just read it. We just read it. It's God in me. Giving me the understanding about what His will is and giving and empowering me to walk in His will. I don't have to be smart. I know that's a relief for some of you. But, but I'm going to skip verse 14 for now. Let's go to 15. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will to do for His good pleasure. Do all things without complaining. Verse 15 that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Are you shiny? Are you shiny? So I want to look at the at first a crooked and perverse generation. This generation, would you say that that qualifies? If it qualified then, I'm not, I know it qualified. It, it qualified all through. Ever since Adam and Eve fell... This, it, it qualifies. There's always a generation. Why? Because, you know, man is depraved. We, we know man is in rebellion. But now as I look at what's happening to, in our country, look, I'm probably midway in this congregation right now. I'm not the oldest. I'm certainly not the youngest. A little bit. I'll be 50-something, 50 50-something. 50 <laughs> But I know that I've got friends in the room that are older. <laughs> no, but think about this for a minute. Just in, the, just in the time that we've lived, haven't we seen so much change? Haven't we seen, I mean, such a moral decline? It's ridiculous. And you can say, well, you know, it happens. It's happened in other cultures and other societies. Yeah, but this was the last one. This was the last one. Because I don't think that there's another free... Western culture like the United States of America. I don't, I don't know of any of that are left. I could be wrong because I'm no expert, obviously, on geopolitics or anything like that. However, man, this... We're living in a time that, that, like I said, that's where I feel this heaviness and I feel such a burden because of my grandchildren, my children, uh, their children, your grandchildren, your children. Man, what are they growing up in the middle of? And we see the statistics. I mean, they are running away from Christianity, not running to it. There are more of our young people running to Islam than they are Christianity. That bothers me. And it should bother you. So as, as a leader in the church, I've got to figure out, okay, Lord, lead me, lead me, guide me, direct me so that we can lead the flock and so that we ourselves can go out and be light, be shiny so that people are attracted to the shiny thing. Are you with me? we got to hang tough, man. Now remember, this crooked and perverse generation, this world around us, did, did anybody hear anything about the uh, law that they just passed in New York? Is, is that an abomination? Is that, so, so now, can, 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 do you understand where, why my heart is breaking? Yours is too. How depraved can we be? How depraved can we be? Do, are we living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? Absolutely. Do we need any other proof? We can go down the list. I don't, I, I, listen, I don't listen to, I don't watch Fox News anymore. I don't watch any of them anymore. 
It's bad enough where I'm trying to listen to some sports radio or even, you know, Christian radio, and every once in a while I've got to get those news headlines or someone else is trying to blab to me and tell me what's going on. It'll get to me. But I want to tell you, it shouldn't take any of us by surprise if we've read this, if we've read this book. What it does do is it tells me that this book is oh so true and we're so oh so close to when he could split the sky. Our jobs is to be shiny so that when he splits the sky, not only we go, but as many as God has put in our atmosphere, they go with us. That's what this is all about, y'all. This is not about, you know, let me see if I can make it to heaven. No, that should be settled already. That's, that's already settled. That should be settled. That should, be a, that, that's, that should even be a thought in your mind anymore. Let me see if I can get to heaven. No. Let's see how many I can get to go with me. Let me see how many I can get to go with me. Hallelujah. Now, let's see. Uh, last week, remember we were in 2 Kings. We were talking about Hezekiah. Okay, Hezekiah got an extra 15 years. But what was Hezekiah? How did he get the 15 years? He reminded God. No, he reminded himself of how he began. How did he begin? How did he begin? Excuse me. How did he begin? Well, he began by, he went ahead and he destroyed all of the high places, all the places of worship, all the pagan worship areas, all the high places, the totem poles, all the things where they made sacrifices, even sacrificed their own kids. He destroyed all those places. Why did those places exist? Well, because when the king of Assyria came in and he came in and he conquered some land in, in, um, of Israel, what he did was he moved the Israelis out and he moved all the people from other provinces in. So when he moved them in, they brought their cultures, their religious beliefs, their religious practices, they brought those in. God allowed lions to attack them, so he said, hey, maybe we better send one of the Jews back in there, their priest, because the God of the land is a little upset, so we'll send him in there. So they sent a Jewish priest back in there. And so the Jewish people and these other people, they, they, the Bible says to us in 2 Kings chapter 18, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, the Bible tells us, you know, about this whole situation. But think about this. They sent him in because they wanted to appease God. And the Bible says that the people understood, they recognized the Lord, the Lord, Jehovah. But they also recognized all these other gods. And they went ahead and their practices in worshiping Jehovah included the practices of some of these other things. So you have this, the true and living God being worshipped according to cultures and traditions. Are you with me? Didn't work out very well. Hezekiah destroys all of those and he restores the worship, the temple worship, back to the land of Israel. Three weeks ago, remember, we were talking about this very thing, contemporary culture in the church. Contemporary culture in the church. That's what's got me uptight, man. I'm, I'm telling you. Contemporary culture in the church. Remember uh, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel. Who were who the other three? No. So you know them by their pagan names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that was the name that was given to them by the king, the pagan king, right? And I, I, I got to be honest with you, I gotta re, I've known it that way too, so I have to really put it to myself to the test. It's Hananiah, Mish, Mishael, and uh, Azariah. Those, that's, that's the three Hebrews, that, that was their real name. And Daniel was Daniel, his Hebrew name was Daniel, but it was changed to Belteshazzar. And what, what did he do? Remember, what did, what did the king do? He brought them in. 
He made them eat differently, or his plan was to make them eat differently, study literature, study their literature, the Babylonians, the the Chaldeans, study their language. He was trying to change them. He was mixing their culture, their gods, everything about them with theirs, their Hebrew God, the true and living God. The culture was mixing. One of the first things he tried to do was change their identity, change who they were. My brothers and sisters, like we said, I'm not going to repeat the message, but it's happening in the church today. We bring all of these other things into the church when God has told us how he wants to be approached. It's okay to have the lights, the smoke, the music, and all this other stuff. But let me ask you something. If we like the service, does that mean God liked it? If, if we enjoyed ourselves, if, wow, that was awesome, does that mean God liked it? Because we had a good time, does that mean God had a good time? No, my brothers and sisters, it's about His Word. It's about getting in His presence. It's about sometimes getting my feet stepped on. So, it, it, because you know why? Nobody said, He told me, who He loves, He rebukes. So if I'm constantly going to a place and I never hear anything that steps on my toes, I need to go into another place. Unless I'm perfect. That was an insult. <laughs> but, but no, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so my brothers and sisters, this is, this, is not, this is not hard. This is easy. The culture has got into the church. We saw what had happened in the, in the Old Testament. We see it. We see warnings in the New Testament the same. The contemporary culture is influencing the church, and it's, it's influencing our young people, even some of the older people. <clears throat> Mike, Mike shared with me some uh, stats yesterday. I want, I want him to, could you please blow them at me? All right, wait. Thanks. All right, let's just say this. 70 point something. Six, you say? 70.6. There are about 330 something million, 340, 350 million people in America. So three quarters of them are Christians. Do you believe that? Listen, if that were true, there's no way the things that are happening in this country would be happening right now. So am I trying to be hypercritical about all of these other Christian denominations or all these other... No. What I'm saying is, let's not us... Let, let, you listen, I've been praying for revival since 2012. And the only way revival will happen is if we have a revival in here as individuals. And we come to the understanding that it's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about me getting to a place where I feel good, where I can go ahead and I can, you know, yeah, I'll, go, I'll get up early on a Sunday morning and go, oh, when, I may even go Wednesday night. It's good. The music's good. Sound, everything's good. No, it's not about that. It's I want to get into the presence of the Lord. I want a fellowship with the other people. It's not a, see, that's the other thing. We, we, we are called to fellowship with one another. When he reconciled us to him, he reconciled us to each other. Why not us? Because we don't have the love one for another like they had. We don't share all things in common like they did. When someone comes to us, will will we be as understanding uh, as we should be? Would we be as understanding as Jesus was? If someone came to you right now and said they were struggling with adultery, would you you be as understanding or would you go ahead and gossip about it? Would you kind of take a step back and say, oof. How, if someone told you they were struggling with something, if someone told you that they were struggling with an addiction, would you gossip about it or would you try to help them? 
And even if you tried to help them, would you, how would you feel on the inside? Would you feel a little bit superior to that person? You, you, are you, see, I'm not trying... Listen, I'm not trying to imply that anybody in this room is like that. I'm just saying, are we? We. Are we? Because if we are, that's why not us. That's, that's all I'm saying. My brother said, we've got to get to the place where we can look at each other and we love each other with such a fervent love, with such a love that we don't care what we've done with each other, to each other, or anything like that. All we care about is here and now, what can we do to help each other? What can we do right now? I, I want to take you from where you are to where he is. Not that I've arrived, but I'm pressing on. Let's press on together. Are you with me? You see what I'm saying? That, that's what this is all about. That's what coming to church should be all about. Not about being entertained. Oh man, I could, yeah, I could listen to that guy. He doesn't really bug me. Hallelujah. Back to verse uh, 14. Do all things without complaining. See, I skipped this one. You know why I skipped this one? I have a hard time with this part. Mm. <laughs> I felt conviction. <laughs> Do all, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Father God. Ah. <laughs> I'm on project. I'm on another project. Now remember the deck. I, I suffered greatly building the deck. I bought it in under the five-year plan. That's all I'm saying. It's done under five years. I think to me I was right on time. Now we start another project. I'm starting to hear it a little bit. I don't like it. I'm just saying. Do all things without complaining or murmuring. Man, don't tell me that I'm the only one in here. Some of you are really good about not complaining or not murmuring. However, if you think it, same. same. See? Because I may self-control, I may be able to zip it. That's okay. But remember, that's the Old Testament. The Old Testament is about self-control. New Testament is changing the heart. Right? Right? So, I got, what's on the inside of me? Do I feel resentment? Do I feel... Uh, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it, but, right? No, it's, it's on the inside. What's on the inside of me? Do it without complaining. That you may become, uh, but I want to also look at verse 16, real, real fast. Holding fast the word of life. So you've got those two issues, and in, sandwiched in between there is where we were, verse 15, and become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. To me, my brothers and sisters, if you look at verse 14, and then you go down and you look at the first part of uh, verse 16, holding fast the word of life, that's the key. If we can get a hold of that, that's the key. Do all things without complaining and disputing. And then verse 16, hold fast the word of life. How do I become shiny? How do I look more like God's son? How do I do that? Do all things without complaining or disputing. And hold on fast. Hang on to the word of God, the word of life. Psalms 119, 105. Your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Second Peter 119. And so we have this prophetic word confirmed. We have this word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What's the morning star? Jesus. Revelation twenty two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. See, that's how I know that that is Jesus. Not because you said it from out there. 
And you don't know it because I said it from up here. We know it because the Bible interprets the Bible. It said it, Jesus himself said it with his own mouth. I am the bright and the morning star. Hallelujah. So watch. It's his word confirmed. It's his word that brings me this light. Are you with me? His word. Thy word is a uh, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the prophetic word confirmed in me. And then listen. I want to draw I have the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So that bright and morning star, that word that shines in my heart, that's that's Christ in, in me. So without this, I have no Christ in me. I have to have this, his word, in order to have him in me. It amazes me how little time we spend in here. It amazes me how little time we spend in here and how much we think that we should have. What, what are his promises? What are his blessings? Without this, I don't know. Then we be- become more dependent on people like me to tell you. But what happens if I've made a mistake? And what happens if you turn on the TV and you're listening to these guys and they're telling you, you know what, you give this much, you give that much, and the Lord has a blessing. I just heard it this morning while I was putting on my clothes. Same thing, like, I have it on Christian TV and they're talking about, you know, how you be blessed. No, that's not it. That's not, the, that's, that's not the total truth. You need to teach the whole counsel of God. You need to know it. So that when they say it, or when I say it, that God could confirm His Word in your heart. And listen, He can also let you know when it's amiss. You can't believe something because somebody who says that they're a preacher or a teacher said it. It has to come out of here. How do you know it came out of here? Read it. You've got to study it. And that's how you get Jesus down on the inside of you. Again, they walked and talked with him for three and a half years. You and I don't have that privilege or that honor. This is how we know him. This. And then his spirit inside. Amen? Shut the lights off for a minute. Now, I'm sure that you guys have seen this in various forms and fashions demonstrated. The room is pretty dark, but this, obviously you could see. From anywhere in the room, if I go, as long as I don't block it, you could see it, right? Okay. But if you look at how small this is compared to the volume of this room, that's pretty small. Am I right? Even this room, is the, the blacker this room gets, the easier this will be to see. Unless I cover it. Unless it goes out. You turn back on. <laughs> it was interesting when I, I came I didn't have anything to do so I, I asked Tony to go hey do we have any, anybody Mary says no I don't have it I said good that means you're not doing it <laughs> so, so Anthony went and got it and, this is just for emergency situations I, I'm, I don't smoke nothing this is just for emergency situations hallelujah I'm, don't worry I'm, I'm, don't worry <laughs> the words that I speak this is Jesus in 663 John the words that I speak they're spirit and their life. Their life. I need the, his, his life. His word is life. His word is light. I need that. If I'm going to shine, I need that. Amen? You know, you've been looking at... Uh, could you go to the next slide? There you go. Go to the next one. That's where we started. When we started this, the in-between slides, that's where we started. 
Go back. Now go to the next one to split. Next one. There you go. That's I try to do a side by side for you. Notice this. When that's lit up, man, it illuminates it. it, it there's a, there's a, a light that's cast. You know, you could see more than just that spot. You could see something that's different. You could see more. Are you shiny? Where are you at? Where are you at? Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Listen. Now for some of you, you're just going to have to bear with me because you've heard this a lot. But maybe we need to hear it some more. Remember when Jesus prayed and he said, the glory that I had when I was with you, I want that back. John chapter 17. The glory that I have now, I give to them. This glory, this light, He said, as long as I am on the earth, I'm the light of the world. He left. But he left you and I to be the light. Are you shiny? Are you shiny? You judge yourself. I'm not your judge. Judge yourself. Are you shiny? The same glory that he had, we have. The glory that he had before, he has now. So you judge yourself. Stand with me, please.